The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scratch, claw, up against the wall. I can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. Alright Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello everybody, welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio after USC's 49-24 loss to the Iowa Hawkeyes in the 2019 Holiday Bowl in San Diego. We're in San Diego recording this in a hotel. It is a hotel cast. A hotel car cast. Yeah, that, that sort of works. Sorry, Keely. Uh, we're going to be talking about USC's uh, demolition of themselves, or Iowa's demolition of USC. <laughs> there uh, was a demolition. There, there was a demolition, an embarrassment for USC, indeed, uh, over at uh, San Diego Credit, San Diego County Credit Union Stadium. That's a mouthful. Uh, Jack Murphy, USC gets embarrassed, utterly embarrassed by giving up a ton of points to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host, Alicia Derotola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. I Screw this intro up. I, I'm sick, so my voice is completely off. Um, it has been uh, rough, and you know who else is sick? USC's defensive performance. Um, under the weather, to, to I, say I the mean, least. if Clancy Pendergast wanted to act like he's been under the weather for the last month, then... I could maybe understand USC's performance if, you know, Chase Williams didn't play apparently because he, he's been dealing with the flu. Like if everyone on USC's defense just has the flu and that was the explanation for why USC was so bad in this game, it still wouldn't be a good explanation for why USC was so bad on in this game on defense. It, I put this on Twitter and I thought that maybe after some time away from the game that I would soften my stance on this, but I can definitively say this was the most de- embarrassing defensive performance I've ever seen from USC. We have seen USC get their pants beaten off of them by teams like Alabama and Stanford and Oregon and other teams out there. And and those times were certainly embarrassing, but they were always against teams that had offensive firepower. The Oregon team that blasted USC in the past, that that had offensive firepower. The Stanford team with Christian McCaffrey. You're forgetting one. Who? Boston College. 
Boston College, yeah, that was the, that's about the closest thing. But even the Boston College game, it was not from start to finish as just consistently in incapable as this game because Boston College was breaking off big game big gains. Like they were, you know, the quarterback would scramble for 50 yards and that would be that. What Iowa did to USC's defense was a strangulation. It was like a boa constrictor just grabbing the defense and just strangling them on drive after drive after drive. And it was in that sense. And 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 the thing about it, too, is I could see where the playmakers were on that Boston College team. I could see where the playmaker, you know, Christian McCaffrey and and uh, Tua Tagovailoa and, and the players that have been part of the demolition, or was it Jalen Hurts uh, for Alabama? But Hurts, yeah. The players who have been part of the demolishings of USC's defense in the past, I, I've understood, oh, that's just a playmaker going going off, right? I don't think that any one player went off in this game. Um, uh, Imar, um, is, uh, I'm saying his name wrong, Imar, uh, Smith-Marset. We highlighted him in the in the preview episode as, as the player that was going to be used in a lot of different ways and could maybe hurt USC that way. And that's the way USC... Scored three different ways. Yes. So impressive game from him. But I didn't feel like he was unplayable. Like, I didn't feel like he was unstoppable, like this this dude just going off and having a game for the centuries. Like, it didn't ever feel like that because that's not what Iowa's defense, what, what Iowa's offense was doing to USC's defense. And I think what makes this this performance so disappointing is that this is not a good Iowa offense. This is not a good Iowa offense. They rank 71st in S&P Plus, 99th in total offense, 90-something in, to- in scoring offense. This is not, uh, like, objectively, this is a mediocre Iowa. Iowa's offense has been good enough this year to put up the 24 points that they need to win a ball game here or there. And that's it. The defense has carried this team 1,000%, and the offense has just done just the bare minimum to get them over the hump for the nine wins that they had going into this game. This is not a good—I I repeat, this is not a good offense. And yet, and yet, they made this Iowa offense look like—okay, remember, it was it 2012—what was the year that Stanford beat, beat USC— wrecked them. It was like 55 to 24, something like that. 2009. 2009. Uh, so the year after the upset, um, the, the, uh, 2008. What are you it was two, well, so it had to have been 2009, whatever year it was, the year it was, the upset was in 2007. Was 2008 it? was a USC win up there. That's when Harbaugh tried to cover the spread on a last second field goal. The, so 2009 was the blowout then? Yes. Not that this matters. In 2010 either. was a shootout. 2011 was the loss. Okay. The, yeah, the, yeah, The yeah. overtime loss. So, so 2012 was the Cyrus Hobby game. 2013 was the Coach Ogeron game. Of, of, I know you're showing off 2014 was the, the Hadari game. Okay. 2015 Do it. was... Uh, 2015 was the, the uh, Christian McCaffrey-Cody Kessler game, remember? The penalty by Chad Wheeler. Uh, I, I know you got three more years to go if you're going to go on this entire shtick. Sorry, 2015. The second one was the 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 Chris McCaffrey game. 2016 was that ugly game with the Chris McCaffrey uh, touchdown. They also had the the reverse and the the you know SC punts at the end, and everyone's mad about that. 2017 was the demolition that SC had against them at the first one, and then the second one was the Pac-12 championship game. 2018 
was the game in which SC didn't do anything up there. They lost 17 to 3. And then this year was the uh, Keaton Slovis uh, coming out party. Thank you. I, I, everyone that leaves a, a, a review in our comments that says that the show would be better without me, <laughs> they're going back to leave a second review. And like, this is exactly what. You just proved everyone correct. Yeah. As I was saying, in 2009, I, my overriding memory of that game was the idea that Stanford was running the ball and USC's players, they, they talked about how Stanford just kept running the same play over and over and over Power, again. Yeah. And USC couldn't stop them. And that was what was embarrassing about that game. That is kind of what Iowa did to USC in in the spirit of the way that they did it. They were just embarrassing USC in all the ways that you could highlight as USC's deficiencies and weaknesses from the entire year. All of the things that you could point to as these are things that USC struggles with. Iowa looked at it and said, "Okay, we're going to do those then. And they did them. And it was very simple and very effective and extremely embarrassing. The most embarrassing sequence of this game was the three quarterback sneaks in a row capped by a short yardage touchdown. Wait, hold on. You mean you can sneak three times in a row and score? I mean... I thought you had to th- sneak three times in a row and, and then, then throw not. a poor pass to some of Anuka. That's how it works. Yeah, that, that is how it works usually. But, like, Iowa didn't care. Iowa... Um, Matt Leinart put this on Twitter like this is straight up like disrespect and that's exactly like Iowa didn't give a crap that USC was USC Iowa didn't give a crap that USC was in the Cardinal and gold and all the pageantry and tradition and all that kind of stuff Iowa went to USC straight up and said all right we're gonna go at you head to head go at the little chinks in your armor that we know are there and let's see if you can respond to that and USC flat out could not you would think that USC, I mean, this was the whole thing, right? The, the frustrating thing is that USC ended the season and we weren't sure if USC was going to keep Clay Hilton. And once they kept Clay Hilton, we were trying to figure out, well, I guess they have to keep the coaches around for recruiting or whatever. And maybe you keep them around for the bowl game and then get rid of them after the bowl game. Like this performance, you should have just cut bait weeks ago because it's not like Clancy Pendergast had them ready to play in this game anyways. It would have been better. You would have been better off. Firing everybody and have have uh, Chris Hawkins be your defensive coordinator for this game. I guarantee you Chris Hawkins could have done a better job getting this team ready defensively for this game than Clancy Pendergast did. Like, this was just on another level of bad. The first, uh, not, not, to, again, not to just go on, but like, Iowa's first five drives were touchdowns. And four of the uh, three of the three of the one of them was a kick return touchdown, but three of the four that were actually from the offense were ten play drives. Ten play drives. One of them was a ninety yard drive. Yeah, this was a weird game in that it was so ball control heavy. We, I mean, SC plays Stanford all the time, and this was not remotely the same. Because at one point, SC's third drive came in like the middle to the end of the second quarter. Well, Tyler Vons didn't play in the first quarter and everyone was trying to figure out, like, was he just out for the first drive or was he suspended for the first quarter? Because it, you it could have been either one. It could have been either one because they only had one drive in the first quarter. Yeah. And it was it was very strange. Um, You know, I, I, I put this on Twitter. I think it's reductionist to say, well, I would watch the film. Because, and the reason I say it's reductionist is because it's so simple. 
football is a complex game, right? There's a lot of factors at play. And it's reductionist to just pull it all into one little tiny box. Oh, Iowa watched film. But after that game, how can you not say that that's the answer? Iowa watched film. Yeah. They, they did everything that we knew USC struggled at. Every single thing um, that USC's defense struggles with. We'll talk about the offense later because I think USC's offensive performance in this game, something to feel proud about, to be you know, quite honest. Um, at least while Keaton Slovis was still in the game. But defensively, you knew that SC struggles with, with misdirection. Mm-hmm. What'd they do? There was a double pass that nearly got a touchdown uh, just out of the reach of the dude. Uh, there was a reverse. There was plenty of misdirection. There was uh, a little... Tight end screen misdirection thing? That tight end screen is the kind of thing that teams have done to USC at the goal line, and they did it around midfield, and it was beautiful. A a tight end throwback? Yeah. All these things with misdirection that you knew SC struggles with. Everyone could have told you this for so long. And that's the biggest indictment on this coaching staff. It would be one thing if they hit you with a curveball. You know, I I always think of the, the scrums. Um, after losses and what they end up, what the questions end up being to players, it's always, did they do something you didn't expect? Did they do something you didn't expect? And the players are usually like, not really, for the most part, not really, blah, blah, blah. And why is that? Uh, part of it's because people know how to play this USC defense. Yeah. The, like, the book is out on Clancy Pendergast. He was a very good defensive coordinator for a long time. But the book is out. It's over. The answers that they tried to create for this season, that's what the the, the whole point of bringing him back was, we're going to change up the defensive front and we're going to use more rotation and we're going to do this and that. And those but changes you, have utterly failed. You can't talk about how the defensive line is going to be your strength and then give up three straight sneaks to Iowa. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about the defensive line? Because... And I guess this applies to the entire defense, but particularly the defensive line. There are too many good players on that defensive line to be performing the way they do. Yeah. Drake Jackson, Jay Tufele, Marlon Tupelotu, objectively good players. And, director, yeah. And they are, they looked too, like just toothless. They had nothing about them at all. All game. Nothing. I believe Shotgun Spratling put out on Twitter that uh, Chad K said that it was a, quote, ass whooping. Yeah. It was. Which it was, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad he can acknowledge that, but, like, who does that come back to? That's got to come back to somebody. Somebody screwed up here. Right. And it's not just the defensive line, because the linebackers were poor. John Houston, Paliyanateote looked slow. And I don't think that's something that I thought I would ever have to say about him. Like, I turned to somebody in the press box going, like, did being injured just does he just need to shed a lot of that weight from being injured? I guess like because he looks he looks slow and like not up for it. And again, I I point out like they turned Palianateote into Anthony Cerro, but I'm not trying to like create an offense for Anthony Cerro. If Palianateote was Anthony Cerro, he would be better than he is today after this game, and that is. I mean, even being able to make that statement 
tells you just how low USC's defense has, has fallen. When you're looking at players who are objectively talented, physically gifted, and not only are you not getting the best out of them, like you're getting the worst out of them. Right. And that is on, it has to come back to coaching. It has to, like, there's no way around it. You can't look at the players and say the players didn't prepare for this game properly. Somebody didn't get them ready for this game. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 Clay Elton was asked after the game, how does this defensive performance happen? Like, like, and he didn't have one particular answer. Um, the thing he, he pointed out was the third down struggles, which really that did, you know, that, that's where the game was lost for the most part, right? Uh, Clay was right. You know, on first and second down, USC's defense did their job. We've seen that all year long for the most part. It's third down where they truly get beat. Um, and when they get beat there, it really shows. You saw that on Friday night with, how many times did SC force Iowa into a third and long, and then they did something like they'd go five wide? Iowa would go five wide, empty, and they'd find a, a tight end down the same, wide open. Because mm-hmm. they weren't getting any pressure No, on Nate Stanley. The and only Nate... blitz I can remember is the, the, the Greg Johnson sack late in the game. That he threw up. Uh, a little flex. Normally, I'm yeah. not anti-flex. I'm, I'm never anti-players celebrating their accomplishments on the field. I'm never against that. But Greg Johnson is a veteran player on this team and he should have known time and place better yeah you're giving up 42 points you're, you're getting your butt kicked you don't flex i'm sorry yeah. like i have a lot i have a lot of cushion for allowing like i don't get mad when players are laughing on the sidelines or anything like that but like that was one of those moments where like you looked at and go like yeah these guys don't get it they just don't get it and i don't again i i feel like this game was interesting from a standpoint of the coaching dichotomy that was there because you just saw the way that Iowa's move. Iowa looked like a well-drilled football team in their warmups. They looked at those little hurdle things. Those those little hurdle things were cool. Yeah. They had little, they they had like the little quick stepping uh, circuit and then they had to jump over the hurdles or whatever though. I don't know. Sometimes this is just because it's not what we're used to seeing. And so it just looks better or different or whatever. And sometimes we overblow these kinds of things, but like, they were moving in and out of their stations with more urgency. They were moving in and out of their stations with uh, the group, the unit together. I love the way they come out onto the field with interlocked hands in that in that group together, syn- you know, synchronized together. And not everyone does that. And I don't think that's the mark of like, this is why you're a great team. But like those little things you could see, they are a well-drilled football team. They they tackled well. Um they were sort of disciplined in a way that you just don't see from USC. And and that's I think that made a a, a really interesting sort of counterbalance with Kirk Ferentz being, you know, 21 years as the head coach at, at Iowa and being a little old school and being sort of established in, in what he does. You could see the, the difference between the two teams in that sense. You, you just see it visibly. Yep. Uh, indeed. Uh, we got so much more to talk about in this game, including the offense and uh, Keaton Slovis's injury. We'll get up to that up next in the second half. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the CarCast of USC's 49-24 loss to the Iowa Hawkeyes in the 2019 Holiday Bowl. At least let's talk about the offense. Uh, USC loses, obviously. They give up 49 points, but the offense scores 24. 24 of that came with Keaton Slovis at the helm at quarterback. And this game ended up ultimately finishing with Matt Fink in the game. He was in the game for the last several drives. Uh, Keaton Slovis left early in the third quarter. I I put on Twitter, this should have been a game where if you had lost Keaton Slovis, but you banked 24 points before he left the game, you should have been in position to at least go down to the end, right? If not win the game, because Iowa's offense is not great. You should have been able to hold them in check. 24 points should have done you well. If you lose this game 27-24, and it's because you couldn't score with Matt Fink, then you can sit there and play the, well, Keaton Slovis got hurt card. You can't play that card anymore when you give up 49 points. 34, I get, I mean, 35, sorry, I, I get we're on the defense. There was seven on the special teams, and seven is a pick six to Matt Fink, but you give up that much on defense and you look that poorly doing it, you can't play the, well, Keen Slovis got hurt card at all. No, not at all. And I don't even think you can play the, like, I don't know, the 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 offense was quite good in this game. In the context of this Utah defense, sorry, this Iowa defense is legitimately great. Top five S&P plus, that is not a joke. Like that, that's not a fluke when you're top five SP plus, SP plus. It's one thing if you're like top 10 total defense or whatever. Like that could just be that you're facing bad offenses. But SP plus looks at, uh, tries to, to get down into the numbers. And so if you're ranked that high, that means you are a legitimately good defense. And I thought USC's offense actually did much better against that defense than I, than I thought they would. But when it came down to it, when Keaton Slovis came out and they'd already put up 24 points, like that was already going to be the upper end of what USC was ever going to score in this game. Because Utah, because Iowa's defense, I keep saying Utah, but uh, Iowa's defense is too good to have given up much more than 30 points, much more than, you know, if Keaton stays in, what are you looking at? You know, you're probably going to, you probably expect to get another touchdown somewhere in there, end up with 31, maybe 34. I, I think if Keaton's in there, they score another couple of touchdowns. You're looking at 38 points. Yeah. Um, I think you're looking at a situation where you lose 42-38, maybe. Yeah. Um, but the fact which, is... You're st- you can make the argument is the best case scenario for the game. If you're looking at the grand scheme of things. If, if your goal in this game was for USC to have Clay Helton's hands tied where he has to fire Clancy Pendergast, mm-hmm. then giving up 42 points should have been... Should have been it, right? Well, I mean, you could make the argument he should have fired Clancy Pendergast at halftime. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, that alone. <laughs> the, the defense but, performance but I'm was saying, so bad. But if, if it's a shootout, yeah. a shootout in which you're, you're, you're keeping up with Iowa. Yeah. Um, where well, if you, if you had a shootout. Win or lose, that's the, be- that's the best 
alternative for a fan, right? But if you I mean, if you have a shootout and you're doing that to Iowa's defense, like that is incredibly impressive. And I think that's what's getting lost on a lot of people. Well, half of With, it is well, giving, giving up the, the points to Iowa's No, no, no. But, uh, what USC's but it, but offense did. But it forces did. Clay Helton's hand yeah. to, to fire them, and then you can well, feel the, really the, good about the offense. The question about whether or not USC's hand was going to be forced is... is a question anyways like there were there were people who would tell you like that the firings were going to happen regardless of what sure, happened in this sure. game yeah. you leave no you leave no doubt which which is why i think the offensive performance in in general but, i think it is you can make the case as the bigger takeaway anyways i mean the offensive performance with keaton slovis in there is a huge takeaway because to do that to Iowa's defense is a legitimate this was the question we ha- we had could usc's offense put up that kind of production against a legitimate defense and the offense with Keaton Slovis in there was great enough that they he, he was tearing them apart he was on pace at one point for 368 passing yards uh, if you in the first half yeah he had 180 whatever it was right and then you you double that 368 our line was 375 yeah and that was we'd gone and, and way that up. was that was an excessive line right yeah so like he was he was doing what we thought he could do if he had a good day, and he was absolutely and having he was a good having day. that good day. The only yeah. thing that was getting in the way of his good day was when AJ Epinesa got through a few times and batted the ball out of his hand. And right. maybe he needs to learn to get rid of the ball quicker, but also USC should be protecting him a little bit more. And aside from that, he was the the two throws to Amon Ross St. Brown. The Beautiful. long throws yeah. were just. Gorgeous, gorgeous throws. The 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 first touchdown pass to Drake London, beautiful cutting through the zone. The touchdown pass to Vi Malapai, the touch on that, the feather lightness to get it up over the top to where it needed to be from my van. It was one of those ones that's extra beautiful from my vantage point in the press box, like the one in the Rose Bowl that Darnold threw to Juju, where at the angle that I'm at, I am seeing the field from Keaton's perspective with his head turned in that direction. And so I saw Vi get behind and immediately you just see it happening. And then like a dart straight line there, you see it just float in. It was beautiful, beautiful throw from Keaton. So he was operating at a very, very high level. And I think what you saw when Matt Fink came in was what happens when you don't have a quarterback that's operating at a very, very high level playing against a good defense. I don't think that Matt Fink's cameo in this game said anything about what Graham Harrell is or isn't capable of as an offensive coordinator. It had more to do with, well, this is what an Iowa defense will do to a quarterback who's not, who's, you know, medium at best, I think. Uh, and yeah. somebody on Twitter made a, had a great line that, uh, you know, we, we call, Matt Fink's uh, play, the YOLO raid, that uh, Matt Fink took the you only live once thing seriously, like he literally only lived once. That's that's a good thought. Yeah, because it didn't work out against Washington and it clearly didn't work out here uh, again in the in the Holiday Bowl. But either way, this is what happens when a, a not great quarterback faces a great defense. What Keaton did is what when a great quarterback facing a great defense can put you over the top there. And I think that's the the encouraging thing that looking ahead to next season is Keaton proved himself in this game. To me, Keaton proved himself in this game. That's a true freshman quarterback. I know he's at the end of the season, so he's got a quite a bit of experience under his belt now, but that's still a true freshman quarterback who's out there doing that to Iowa's defense. 
you bring him back next year, you have him running this offense, he will be able to contend with top-tier defenses in theory. Now, can we talk about the doomsday scenario? That he transfers to... No, I'm talking about he, he leaves this game LSU. with an, what Clay Elton is calling an elbow injury that they're hoping to get an MRI and he, they, they want it to be a sprain. But, you know, our, our, our pal Trent Goodrich put this on Twitter that a, a sprain, an elbow sprain, you, you see this in baseball all the time, like a, like a UCL sprain, um, is still really bad. That, that's, that's still ligament damage. When you're talking about the elbow. So, who knows what, so are what, you it, saying what it ends quor- up being. The quarterback competition is going to be wide open because I, neither I'm not Keaton s- Slovis nor JT Daniels are going to be able I to think, practice in spring camp. They're both going to come back for I fall think, camp. I think that's the doomsday scenario, right? So I'm not saying that's what, Who's what's the quarterback in spring camp then? Matt Fink? Matt Fink. That's it. If if Keaton is ultimately can't go. but <laughs> And if Matt Fink transfers, is a grad transfer? Uh, it's gonna be Purdue, Brandon Purdue. I'm. I think he's gonna go pro in something other than sports. <laughs> uh, so who's so. your quarterback, Trevor Scully? There you go. Yeah, one of those dudes. Yeah. E- either way, yeah. The the doomsday scenario. It, it was tough seeing him get hurt, and it kind of goes to show how the the tightrope that USC walks on with their talent because. There can be a big step down in confidence in the players that are that are behind. And that is a problem for USC. But any team loses their starting quarterback and they're gonna face issues. Like I I just I generally I don't have I came away more impressed with the offense in this game than not impressed. Even though it would have been nice to see them continue on through the second half and, and produce something, but once Keaton came out, I, I wasn't really expecting anything and by then honestly like USC was still in a position where we hadn't seen the defense get a stop so where was that stop gonna gonna come from anyways I think USC was probably gonna lose this game no matter what inevitably because the defense had no answers but um to to Iowa's credit and this will be something that is interesting to see if you if teams try to do this to you to USC next year the idea of ball control as a means of keeping USC's offense off the field. But also, if I'm an opposing defense or an opposing team, and I'm looking at USC and knowing that they are mistake-prone but explosive, if I can keep them to six drives, then the one time they make the mistake, that's devastating. The two times they make the mistake, that's devastating. So yeah, that is exactly the, the thing is, most teams have a hard time being disciplined and well drilled enough to produce multiple 10 yard 10 play drives like iowa you have to tip your cap to them because a lot of teams would make mistakes that would if this was the iowa that played michigan in which they punted yeah a billion times uh then it wouldn't have mattered it would have backfired really quickly on them but they were able to hold up their end of the bargain offensively um other thing we need to talk about before we wrap this up Clay Helton rolling the dice on a, an onside kick. John Baxter's finest moment. We hadn't seen a fake all year. Uh, I think we were going to see one against BYU when Matt Fink was came in to be the holder in a field goal. And then he ultimately uh, didn't get to hold it because BYU snuffed it out and called a timeout. But 
Essie pulls off an onside kick, and it is bri- brilliantly executed by by Michael Brown. And it's in the beginning of the third quarter, right after USC goes into the half, down 35-24. They bookend the half with a field goal on the front side, touchdown the on the back side, uh, t- to make it uh, 35. Um, sorry, 28-24. And then they pull off the onside kick uh, to pull within four. And now if they score a touchdown, they have the lead. That was a brilliant time to do it. Um, That was exactly when you you pull off one of these things. When you don't trust your defense. When if it backfires, your defense is going to give up those yards anyways. Plus it gives your your offense an opportunity to get out there sooner. if If that's the case. But what are the benefits? It's all gains, right? Um, because if Keen Slovis stays healthy on that drive, I think they score. I agree. I, I think that was the moment I talked about the difference in coaching between Iowa and USC. And you could just sort of see the difference in preparation, in how drilled the teams were and all that kind of stuff. That was the one moment where I felt like he, where Clay Hilton and his staff was got the better of, of Kirk Ferentz. That's the one For moment sure. where it felt like they got, they pulled the wool over their eyes and you're right. It was it was incredibly well timed, very well executed, uh, and and turned the momentum into totally in USC's uh, direction. Especially because at that point, as I said, USC still hadn't proven they could stop Iowa's offense. So, you know, why even bother putting trust in a defense that hasn't earned your trust? Go for it. And it almost paid off, if not for a bit of misfortune on on the Keaton Slovis side of things. But yep. you know. Too little, too late, as far as John Baxter is concerned, because he's the you know his unit's the one that gave up that kick return touchdown. And if that kick return touchdown doesn't happen, then USC isn't in a position where they need to recover from falling behind the way that they did, and they don't need an onside kick in order to stay in the game. Well, if that kickoff return doesn't happen, the defense probably gives up another twelve play drive. Let's be real. That's true. That is true. So yeah. Anyways, I'm sick. I can't talk much longer. I, I know that makes people taking a review, yeah. uh, our, our survey, very, very pleased. But, Alicia, let's wrap this thing up. It's been another year uh, doing CarCast. We, we thank you guys for being a part of the ride. Uh, it's always fun to uh, chat about games after them uh, in CarCast, even though so many of them have not taken place uh, in a, in a car this year, sorry, Keely, but um, it's been fun. So uh, we will be back in a couple of days with the full uh, Fallout episode, and then get into off season content. Yeah, this is gonna be an interesting off season, guys. It is going to be an interesting one. Um, we have As a lot. We transition into a Clippers podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Breaking news: We're now a. Uh... Clippers. Rain, of, rain of clips. Rain of clips. There we go. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, no, we're we're still going to be sticking around with USC, and we're still going to be trying to make the best of what I think we can objectively state is a bad situation from a USC perspective. But uh, on the plus side, you know, I think the attendance at the Holiday Bowl was was much better than uh, than than we expected. I mean, the meetup that we had on Friday night was was super fun with with people coming by. Yep. We got to to hang out with the uh, Jesus. I got I got to to chat for a while with Jesus and Luke. 
Um, and Luke's dad, whose name, Awan, I think his name was. Um, so that, that was really cool to meet some new, uh, some new robots out there. And, and the thing I like best about our meetups is when you, know, you get to talking with like actual in the flesh USC football fans, like generally yep. everyone's just more reasonable than people appear to be on Twitter. Yep. Uh, and USC gives people a lot of reasons to be unreasonable these days, but there were a lot of people at the stadium uh, today. It felt like people are still supporting the team where they can, even though there's a lot of reasons to shut off at this point and a lot of reasons to look at the, the coaching staff and the management of everything and think, I'm not going to put my faith in you guys. But you can still root for the for the players. Like, for instance, Michael Pittman coming on Twitter and apologizing to USC fans. I just looked at him and thought, like, Michael, you have nothing to apologize for. God, I need to add that to the soundboard. <laughs> Michael Pittman, you have nothing to oh, apologize okay. for. Uh, USC wouldn't be in the Holiday Bowl if not for Michael Pittman. So I wish that there were other figures at USC who would do the same thing. But it's a reminder that these these players are worth rooting for. Yep. And, uh, and that's the thing that maybe should just be the focus for the rest of the time yeah you mentioned the meetup the meetup was so fun uh, on thursday night uh, oh yeah it was thursday night yeah, big, big, <laughs> big shout out to people who showed up at the meetup who weren't planning on going to the game uh dave from orange county uh his, his dad dave from utah they drove all the way down from the from orange county to the game i mean to the meetup along with uh matt from the the inland empire drove all the way down uh, from there to the meetup with with not the intention of going to the game too. So the the dedication of the robots is awesome. Uh, we got to see Darlene as always. Jen, uh, my parents were there. There were it, it was fun. It was a good time. You avoided any embarrassing stories from your parents. So this is true. That was good. Yeah, for you. Yeah, there are no embarrassing stories though. Yeah, the bar we went to, the local. Uh, or the resident, whichever one you decide, because it's both apparently. Yep. Um, great beers, at least the the cider that I was drinking, or the fruit lager, whatever it was that I was drinking, was awesome. And they had waffles, so that made me happy. Churro Chur- waffles. Churro waffles. Yeah. Pretty. Yeah. Pretty, I was I was quite happy with that. Pretty solid, and uh, you always got to cap off a San Diego trip. With some hodads, which we had, which was fantastic. Outstanding. I I didn't think hodads would live up to my memory of hodads. Hodads blew my memory of hodads out the water. That really is the best burger that I've ever had in my life. Undoubtedly, it is the best. Even though my my mom said that it was it was as good as Carl's. Uh, your mom needs to get her taste buds checked because that burger was. Like beyond, I love Carl's, but like not even on. not even in the same stratosphere. No, no. Anyways, uh, let's get to wrap it up. You know, you know how to reach us: two one three three seven three one USC second West Bruin Show. That's the phone number. Email address: randomtroyfans.com. Uh, you know how to reach us. This is uh, the final car cast of the year. I will be back with you soon with a fallout episode thank you guys as always for being along for the ride um we'll see you on the other side see ya ya. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.